0: This is the Positive Psychology Podcast, episode 44. Welcome to the Positive Psychology Podcast, bringing your earbuds the science of the good life. And now, your host, Kristen Trumpy. Today we're going to talk about positive instant institutions and i'll focus mainly with my examples on workplaces and schools so what is a positive institution well basically i'd like to define it through the kind of things that it prioritizes so lots of companies when you look at their mission statements they have you know beautiful things like saying like oh the customer is king and Our employees are our most important asset and all of that. But if you look at their actions, you know, first chance they get, they outsource everything. They don't care about their employees that much. And um, the clients receive substandard service. And that's just the way it is because everything has been kind of optimized to be, you know, as efficient as possible, but not necessarily as good as possible. So... Positive institutions prioritize different things and I'd like to list a couple of those features and I'd like you to think about whether your workplace or your school or wherever it is that you are involved, whether these points are met there and if they're not... This is not meant to basically bash whatever company you're at, but maybe you can think about whether there's anything that you can actually add to make sure that your company or your school or any other institution you're involved in prioritizes these things a little bit more. So the first is physical and mentally healthy employees. Now, yeah, this seems obvious, but actually, if you think about it... um, lots of places health is maybe emphasized, you know, they say things like, oh, it's important to have a healthy employees. If you talk to managers, I think you probably not find a manager or a teacher who would tell you that, you know, oh, um, I think it doesn't matter whether my, my school children are Healthy or not or whether my workers are healthy or not. So if you ask people they will definitely say yeah This is important, but what separates the positive institutions from regular institutions is that they actually take action To make sure that the health of their employees and the physical and mental health of their employees is really taken care of now Of course, this is not just about the company or the institution that needs to do these things these things need to be initiated by the individual themselves, so I guess you could work probably for the most most health-conscious company in the world, but if you decide that all you want to eat is junk food and you never want to exercise and you never really sleep enough and that kind of thing, I guess it's not their fault. However definitely there is some room for improvement for most companies when it comes to not just talking about the health of their employees but actually doing something about it like making sure that people have for example the kind of furniture that won't make them you know won't cause any lasting damage that they don't expect their employees to work on on weekends or extremely long nights and stuff like that so another thing that a positive institution prioritizes is autonomy and control and control not in terms of manager con- managers controlling their subordinates but actually giving autonomy to people and, and allowing them to have some sense of control over their work and what's happening in most companies people just go there and they're just assigned tasks there's not so much you can do or say you're just exp- to do whatever it is that people assign to you. And there's an interesting new movement called organizational democracy. And I hope to do a separate podcast episode on that in the future. But basically, the idea is, as the CEO of a company which practices it, which I unfortunately do not remember, he just said, it is strange that on a political level, most of us would agree that democracy is the best way to conduct ourselves. However, most of us actually work in a dictatorship, meaning that we go someplace, we have very little to say about the kind of things we get to do and how we get to do them. So positive institution ensures that the workers have autonomy and control over their work. They also provide role models. So it's not just about telling people um, or emphasizing positive things, but actually making sure that the supervisors, the trainers, all of these people, that they are role models in themselves, that the way they behave, even if nobody's watching them, is actually worthy of a role model. Positive institutions also recognize that there is such a thing as intrinsic motivation and... That it's not to be confused with extrinsic motivation, which is ma- basically the motivation you get from outside. So positive institutions recognize that people have the ability, and it's an ingrown aspect of being hum- human that we are intrinsically motivated to do certain things. We we love doing certain things, and you can see that from very young age. You don't have to ch- tell. A child who loves to draw, you know, go and get your pencil and or draw and just start drawing. You know, they'll do it by themselves because the activity in itself is motivating and interesting to them. And the same is true for adults as well. All of us have things that we like to do without people running after us, without being offered even money to do it. So the more a company can tap into that to make sure that each and every employee is connected to what they find intrinsically motivating, the more positive the work environment will be. Now, good old positivity, that's something that I guess depends on where you're in in this world. There are some places where this is more of a given. It's more normal that people think it's okay to laugh and smile and have a good time and may, maybe make a joke or two. And there are other countries where people are almost offended by this idea that a company should value positivity because it seems like something that's fake. Now, we're not talking about fake positivity, about you know just smiling and grinning and bearing it even though everything sucks. This is really about emphasizing that Little gestures and little ways of doing things can be positive. And um, I actually had a very nice example at work just last week. Um, one of my coworkers is leaving and he will be working in the States. And then his boss just decided to send an email to the people who knew him all across the company, regardless of whether we work in the same team or not. And they said, well, um, this guy, he's going to work in New York and he's going to work in Nashville. So if you've ever been to any of these places, print out a picture and write on it what you want him to do. And this is something I did it immediately after I got the email. It took me probably about four minutes. I, I looked up, you know, I, I googled the word um, Rodeo and then I found a rodeo you know cowboy kind of sitting on that thing and then i printed it out and i just wrote on it you know if you can try to attend a rodeo bonus points if you actually try it out um be it on a living animal or a bar i don't even know what they're called like mechanical bull i think and um have fun doing it and that yeah it took me four minutes and i'm sure that when when this guy receives all these different suggestions, it's, it's gonna be something that he'll remember for a very long time. And this creates the kind of positivity that is not, it's not expensive. It's just something that by valuing positivity, we can do nice things for our coworkers, for the people who work with us, for our students, for our classmates. And it, it just creates good vibes. It doesn't have to be artificial necessarily. The positive o- institution also ensures that a cli- that someone who works there or is involved with that institution has an attractive future. An attractive future means that they're actually working towards something that is wor- worth working towards. Now, that's a problem that a lot of big corporations probably have. So if you work for for, I don't want to name any particular company, but if you work for any I don't know, large insurance or something and the only goal is to get more and more clients that's not exactly terribly meaningful probably for most people. So an attractive future means that you can tap into the sen- the this need to get some meaning to to offer a path of growth to your employees. A positive institution also recognizes that people have different preferred learning styles so that means that not everybody does things exactly the same way and that's something that can create a lot of friction if we don't understand what's going on but actually if we appreciate that people learn and, and study stuff in very different ways that can really help and that's something that for example at my workplace there are huge differences with my boss for example he's the kind of guy he just wants to know everything about a given topic and he'll research it thoroughly. And I'm just the opposite, at least in the banking world. In psychology, I'm a little bit different. But in the banking world, I don't want to know everything about everything all the time, because I know that people talk a lot. And in the end, what gets implemented is not necessarily the same thing. So I feel it's a waste of time to to read everything on the topic. Now, I'm not judging my boss for doing the way he does things. I think it's great that he does it. But I'm glad that he doesn't expect me to read every single publication that comes, you know, that regarding certain tax laws and stuff because it would just put me to sleep for no good reason. And I've shown and demonstrated that I can still work properly without having read every single document and he's fine with that because he knows that he and I have different learning styles. Another thing that positive institutions pay attention to is to provide a aesthetically rich and stimulating environment. And that's something that, again, might seem superficial. But people have done experiments where they would, I don't know what it was, like study or just hang out in a room. And in one room, it had pictures. And in one room, it had no pictures and that kind of thing. And these these make a difference, even though we're probably not aware of it. So if we can inexpensively make a nicer environment that reflects our values as a team or as a school or what it, what it is, a positive institution will try to do that. Furthermore, the teaching or working resembles a journey of discovery. So it's not just that everybody gets a prepackaged you know, I don't know, like here, here are the 10 facts about this and this. No, it's about providing something that resembles a journey of discovery. And it means, again, that it helps people to kind of keep engaged and be curious and use that curiosity. A positive institution also encourages creativity. And again, this is one that almost every country in the world will say, like, that they value creativity. But a positive institution that actually values creativity makes sure that the people who need to be creative get to experience the conditions to be creative and they actually help them to be creative. They remove the things which prevent people from being creative and a positive institution also understands that authentic social connections are very important and we'll talk a little bit further down the line in this podcast about the importance of connections and close friends at work. A positive institution is also able to integrate opposites. So people from all different kinds of backgrounds can be integrated without necessarily having to... There's a, How should I put this? There's a difference between tolerance and integration and acceptance. Tolerance is basically, oh, I don't really like who you are or what you represent, but I will just pretend that I don't care, basically. And that's not something that is, ner- na- I mean, it's better than open conflict, but it's not exactly the goal. The goal is to understand the richness of an environment where, where people have very different backgrounds and experiences and a positive institution can do a lot to to make sure that this integration works out. And finally, there's positive support and positive challenges. So people are not just given impossible tasks, no matter what they can or should be able to do and no matter what the resources are, but they are giving challenges which help them grow as people and as a team. Now I'd like to give you two examples of how this can be done. The first comes from the Geelong Grammar School in Australia, which is a school which basically reinvented itself from the ground up using the principles of positive psychology. So they have six pillars in their in their statement, basically. So they have a positive purpose, which means that they want to make sure that their students get in touch with the meaning in life and the school's value of community service. The second one is positive relationships, which means that they do everything to ensure that the students have positive relationships with each other, with their teachers that the teachers have positive relationships among themselves and that the staff the rest of the staff is also integrated in this whole thing and they basically understood that we can't just have single interventions meaning that we just target students or we just target teachers but that actually if some if big change is supposed to happen then everybody needs to be involved they emphasize positive emotions which means that they teach their students to get in touch with things like gratitude. They teach them savoring exercises and make sure that the ratio between positive and negative emotions is always in favor of positive emotions. Furthermore, they ensure that their students and their teachers have positive health so they instill in them good habits and I personally love this because what annoys me so much about a lot of people's experience at school and mine was one of them although i didn't have any you know particular hang ups about gym class for example because i was pretty good with stuff like soccer and we played a lot of soccer so i was actually fine i'm not one of those kids who got some kind of trauma because i was picked last or something like that but we also had to do stuff like running and and swimming for ages and if you don't if you just do this you know once suddenly one fine day you appear in school and then they're like all right go running for half an hour and then just report to us how many laps you run that's insane that basically just favors the students who are either talented for running or are ready or who already run it teaches all the rest of us that we are useless at it and a lot of people don't try lots of things because at some point in school they just experienced it they sucked at it and they never gave it a try again and i think this is a this is a shame at g on the other hand each and every student gets to run a marathon but they don't do this like hey you j- just go and run a marathon no they teach them the habits from the ground up they teach them about starting small, about just maybe running for one minute and then walking another minute and doing this and building up. And they build not only the student's fitness, but their belief in themselves, their confidence that they can do stuff by achieving big goals like running a marathon. They emphasize positive engagement, which means that they make sure that they try to experience or try to structure, sorry, their lessons so that people are more likely to experience flow, that students can get in touch with the subjects that they're passionate about and use their strengths. And finally, they teach them what positive accomplishment means and they teach their students what hope is, how to sustain hope, even though maybe things are hard, how to have a good growth mindset as opposed to a fixed one where people just think, oh, either you're talented or nothing is ever going to work out another example of a positive institution is a company called zappos now zappos started out as an online shoe retailer but now they're almost like amazon they they sell almost everything i think and i believe amazon bought them at some point They made sure that they define their values and they didn't do this in isolation so it wasn't just the management team which hold up you know Um, in a fancy hotel room or something somewhere in the Alps. No, they included their workers at the time to come up and to help them come up with the kind of values that they care about. Now, a lot of companies have values and then they never look at them again. With Zappos, they make sure that every time they do recruiting, every time they do performance evaluations, every time people are trained to do customer service calls, all of these things and more they are always in touch with their values and making sure that their clients and their workers and everybody else adheres to these values and these are the values that they have deliver vow through service embrace and drive change create fun and a little weirdness i personally love that one be adventurous creative and open-minded pursue growth and learning and for example, here they have this whole, I believe they have like a little library or something where the managers and everybody who buys books, which they believe are helpful. They, they're just there and the, the people can read them and bring them back and share them and exchange them. Build open and honest relationships through communication. Build a positive team and family spirit. Do more with less. Be passionate and determined and be humble. Now, again, all these things on paper, not worth anything. What makes Zappos special is that they actually use these principles whenever they conduct business. And these things are also implemented in the things I just said before, but also when they think about their design, their customer service, everything is really based on those values. Now, I don't know about your working place, but I've definitely seen it quite a lot that people are just expected to shut up and work and people or companies don't really want their employees to get along too well and if they get along too well and have too much fun other people get annoyed or they you know people accuse them that they're not working or whatever it is And this is actually contrary to research, which shows that there is a huge difference when we have a best friend at work and if we generally have people at work who we care about, and not just because they happen to be in the same room, but because we genuinely connect with them. Now, research has found that if we have a best friend at work, there are less accidents and increased safety. There are more engaged customers. Now, we're not talking about the workers necessarily. The customers are more engaged with the company. There's increased achievement, increased productivity, and seven times higher engagement than someone who doesn't have a best friend at work. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are a manager or if you know a manager, please share this with them because this idea that whoever is talking is not working If you look at those numbers, you just know that it's not true. Now, there is something that's called a high hope company. And that's basically, as the name suggests, a company where the sense of hope in all the employees is very high. And they've discovered a couple of things which ensure that a company becomes a high hope company. And here are the, what, 10, hang on, one, two. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine features. So the first was nobody was feared. There's an equal chance to succeed. There's a meritocracy, which means that whoever advances, advances because of their performance, not because of some politics or something. There's the same level of respect towards everyone, irrespective of position management enables excellent performance there is an open two-way communication so it's not just the company communicates and the employer employees listen but it's a two-way communication the employee's feedback is used for positive change there's empowered people are empowered to decide and define goals Problem solving and solution implementation is done by employees and there is a focus on enduring customer relationships. Now the best company values do not help and best company policies do not help if your boss sucks or at least I believe that your boss is really important and apart from the your husband or your wife. I think that a good boss is probably the most important person in your life because you spend anything between five and eight hours or probably sometimes even more at the job. So if the boss is bad, it really, really makes your life miserable. So what is a good boss? Of course, there are some elements which differ. Some people need some things that others simply do not. But this is what research has found works for most people to be a good boss. So a good boss defines clear goals and duties, is not just a friend but can deliver feedback that is heard, is genuine and authentic, is ethical and moral, is honest and has a high sense of integrity, builds on strengths and talents, trusts and facilitates trust in employees' abilities, Encourages diverse views and can deal with feedback. Has high but reasonable standards and a lot of personal awareness and cultural competency. Now, I don't know, do you agree with this? For me, there would definitely be other things as well. So for me, I need a good boss to basically back off and leave me alone. But I know that there are other people who want someone who would just you know, look over whatever it is that they're doing because it helps them to feel more safe. Now, what I hope you can take away from this episode is that positive institutions are possible and lots of work is involved, but if we start small, it's possible. Focus on what you're good at and love doing. Find places you can exert influence. Now, Don't think just because you're not a manager or a leader doesn't mean you don't have any influence. You do. Even if you're just sitting there, you are giving off certain vibes. When you're on the phone, you're giving off certain vibes. So even though you might not have a department of 50 or 100 people beneath you, there are some people who you're influencing. And keep learning and persist in doing what you believe is right. All right. Take care and have a good week. Bye-bye thanks for listening to the positive psychology podcast we're saying goodbye with happy yoghurt